Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Life and Limb podcast. My name is Chuck Anderson. This is episode six of the show. Very happy to have you here. Thanks for joining. However you found the show, whether you're uh, just finding it for the first time through iTunes uh, or SoundCloud, very happy to have you here. I hope you'll check out some past episodes. This is just episode six, so there's not too much to dig through. Just just uh, five past episodes plus kind of one little intro episode I did set in the show up, so you can check those out uh, wherever you're already listening to this on. So... Um, First off, I want to thank everybody who's uh, tweeted at me or left a comment somewhere on the uh, SoundCloud or iTunes or Facebook or Twitter page, whatever. Um, really appreciate the support. It's been uh, pretty amazing so far to hear the responses, to know that uh, people are enjoying listening to the show and that it's resonating. It's really motivating me to keep this thing going. Um, just hearing somebody say that they got something out of it, that they enjoyed listening to it, man, that's all I can ask for. Just uh, overwhelmed with the uh, you know positive response so far. So thank you very much. Uh, it means a lot. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, you can tweet directly at me at no pattern, uh, or you can tweet to the show, which is also which is also me at life and limb. Uh, it's kind of up to you, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about some of the guests I have coming up going to be, uh, you know, it's just a little sneak peek for you. I, sh- I don't have dates down for everybody yet, but some confirmed guests that will be on at some point, uh, include Aaron Harris, the drummer from, uh, ISIS and Palms, uh, and Palms is a band, uh, formed by Aaron and the other guys from ISIS, uh, along with Chino from Deftones on the vocals. And uh, so I'll be talking to him at some point. Um, Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threats and Discord Records at some point. We'll be chatting with him, um, who, uh, by the way, the song at the beginning of the show and in this show is Fugazi Life and Limb, uh, used with permission. So uh, hopefully be talking to Ian at some point, um, try and figure out some questions to ask him that he hasn't been asked a million times in a million other interviews so far. But uh, man, it would be an honor to chat with him and talk to him about his life and his music and work and everything. Um, and then a totally different uh, end of the spectrum with music from the punk and hardcore and metal stuff that I just kind of covered there. going to be talking to Cascade at some point. I've been working with Cascade for years now on his uh, album packaging and album art and everything. And uh, he's become uh, someone I've been pretty close with on a professional level. And I just figured uh, it'd be a blast to, tra- to talk with him and and uh, hear kind of what he's been up to and hear about the trajectory of his life and work and all the success that he's been having. And, you know, just couldn't really be covering uh, different types of music, even, you know, much more than than uh, those different musicians I've just mentioned there. But uh, that's kind of what I love about having my own show. I can talk to whoever the hell I want. So, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that, talking to some musicians about uh, stuff that's non-art related. And uh, but certainly we'll talk about the importance of art and design and everything in their work and in their music and stuff. Uh, so all those guys obviously care a lot about that stuff. Um, going to be talking, uh, geez, who else? We got, uh, Ryan and Tina S maker from the great discontent.com. I'm going to be talking, interviewing those guys about interviewing. I think, uh, they run a really great site called the great discontent.com. Uh, and they interview people, um, not podcast form. They have done some podcast stuff recently, but their main bread and butter is just, the. I'm uh, just kind of written interviews and they're just excellent at it. And I just want to pick their brains a little bit, talk to them about uh, the success that they've seen with their site and their project and everything. And that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and man, I got so many people coming up. I'm just going to leave it at that for right now, but I'm really looking forward to uh, some of these future episodes I've got and just kind of leaving the door wide open to who I'm going to talk to in the future. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so anyways, without further ado, i tell you a little bit about the show I got going today here. You're going to be listening to uh, my conversation with uh, Benny Gold. And man, I just had a blast talking with Benny. He is such an inspirational guy. So, um, so many admirable qualities about him. I can't, I don't even know, know where to begin. Um, but uh, Benny started off as a designer, an artist and graphic designer, and uh, eventually 
uh, left his hometown of Miami and uh, went to school in Savannah College of Art and Design, eventually made his way out to San Francisco and uh, his journey from uh, starting working at different you know, agencies, big and small there, to starting his own clothing line, uh, Benny Gold, to uh, all the success that he's had today, um, including you know just running that thing and, and doing it so well and now being a father recently. He's got a daughter and and uh, listening to him talk about how he balances that and you know balances life and 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 family stuff with uh, work and and just all the success he's seen and uh, just a, such a humble guy, so down to earth. Um, can't say enough good things about him. I I had so many questions I wanted to ask, so we cover a ton of ground in this episode. Uh, in this interview, just uh, had a chance to ask him all sorts of stuff and. Um, I think you'll really enjoy this one. This was uh, definitely, um, you know, one of those people who I had on my kind of interview wish list early on and uh, told Benny about it and he was down right away. So I didn't waste any time getting to this one. So anyways, uh, without further ado, my conversation with Benny Gold, please enjoy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today I'm joined by Benny Gold. Benny, what's going on, man? Hey, Chuck, how are you? I'm doing really well. It's uh, kind of starting to snow again here in Chicago. I don't think you have to worry about that in uh, San Francisco, right? <laughs> no, nah, we're pretty mild over here. It's, yeah. like, it, it's temperate. It's always about, it's always manageable. Yeah, San Francisco is incredible. It's been a while since I've been out there, but you've been pretty fortunate. I know you, uh, you're, you're born and raised in uh, Miami, correct? Uh, yeah, I was born in Miami, and then my parents moved me to Key West when I was a kid, and and I couldn't wait to get to California. As soon as I got a chance, I was I left and I was here. So you've been pretty much all nice climates your whole life. You haven't done the New York, pretty Chicago, <laughs> none of that no, stuff. My pa- <laughs> no, I, I lived in uh, Brooklyn for a while, and I also lived upstate in Woodstock, New York, for a long time too. Oh, okay. How long, when was that? I was a kid. I got like super hippie parents, and they uh, they moved us up to Woodstock to be a part of that whole thing for a while, and. And then they realized it was too cold and moved us back to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that approach. I was uh, always been in, in the Chicago area, so I've never been able to enjoy uh, you know any of the places that you've, you've lived, other than quick little stints, and vacations, and whatnot. But um, yeah. So anyway, so I'm, I'm curious, just to kind of start um, your fam- your family. You mentioned there you kind of had these hippie parents, and you were you know Key West, Miami, Woodstock, and now you're in San Francisco and everything. So obviously your location has always played a big part in your life. And I'm curious, like at at this point, you know, being in San Francisco, how much would you say um, you know your time in in Florida, and and then ultimately. Um, before you went to San Francisco, I know you went to uh, SCAD in Georgia, right. in Savannah. So how much of the East Coast kind of temperate, you know, those warm East Coast climates compared to where you're at now and the creative environments in those places compared to where you're at now, how much have those kind of, you know, different geographies affected what you're, what you're doing, you know, current day? Uh, I, I think California has always affected me. I mean, I was dreaming about living in San Francisco my whole life, just from the skate videos and the whole art scene and I, th- I mean, I, even as a kid, I was listening to Bay Area hip hop and imitating how it sounded. And so I, I couldn't wait to get out here. Like I always knew I was going to end up in San Francisco. Just always kind of drawn to it from what you could gather from where you were at at the time. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to my early friends, it was all I could talk about growing up was moving out West. That's awesome. It's cool to have something that you're so kind of set on from an early age and then actually to realize it. I feel like that's a sort of a rare thing. A lot of people feel like they were brought up in the wrong place and talk about wanting to go somewhere and don't make it happen. But sounds like you obviously did. Um, 
but that's great. So I am curious though, uh, you, I, I read a quote from you in another interview that you did, um, about having gone to school and, uh, it was the the best advice I can give to any aspiring designer is to go to school for design. Now, as someone who didn't go to school, I, I didn't go to school at all. I graduated high school and then started no pattern and it's been, you know, a trip from there. But, um, did you grow up drawing and knowing that it was art that you loved? And then, you know, how did that trajectory after high school turn into college? I know you had some pushing from your, from your mom and everything about going to school, but I mean, uh, what ultimately, you know, led you to feel, uh, like school was the right path for you based on kind of what you grew up doing and everything. <laughs> uh, well, there's definitely no right or wrong way. And I think for me, I always grew up drawing just through skateboarding. Like I it was imitating my board graphics and my favorite logos on my notebooks and all that. Mm-hmm. And then when I was graduating high school, I really had no plan to go to college. I mean, I barely graduated high school. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was graduating high school and my parents asked me what I was doing. I told them I was going to, you know, save some money, move out West. And they, they didn't like that idea at all. So the only other thing I liked more than skateboarding was art. And so I just, i chose like this quick two year art, art school just to like get my parents off my back. And when I, and when I ended up at art school, I realized I loved it. And there's more to art than just drawing on notebooks. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with art, you know, in art school. And man, it was the best experience I've ever had in my life. Like it. Well, SCAD's an amazing school too. Uh, I've been down there and Savannah was beautiful. How, how was your kind of transition up there? And and how did you like Savannah? Were you there for, for a full four years? Yeah, I started, I went to a little art school in Miami first. It was it sucked. It was just like the, a quick two-year program because mm-hmm. I was just, like I said, trying to get my parents off my back. Right. And then when I got there, I was like, oh, shit, I better transfer to a real school if, if this is what I really want to do. Yeah. Did you look into any others? Were there any other competitors or were you like dead set on SCAD just because of its reputation and how just, you know, it's a good school. I mean, was that kind of a no-brainer for you to go there once you decided? Yeah, I think it was like the cl- closest, best school that I could find to Miami where I was, gr- where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had these skate videos called Savannah Slamma from the eighties on VHS. And so I thought there would be this huge skateboard scene there. And then when I got there, I realized that that hasn't happened since the (laughs) eighties. So it was pretty dead with that skate scene by the time you got there. So uh, lucky the school was good in in the skate, even though the skate scene wasn't. Yeah. So that's cool. So did you, I mean, you ended up obviously liking Savannah, but didn't see yourself staying there. Those contests. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's, um, okay. So I'm curious to know. No, Savannah was awesome, but I still, it was still like a bandit. I'm curious to know what, uh, classes, what classes did you take in school and which one do you feel like you still maybe use to this day that, that has been helpful? Uh, I studied like traditional graphic design. I think all the theory classes and all those entry level classes that tell you about concepting really helped me a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And so did you, um, I mean, did you grow up drawing? Like, were you drawn as a kid? Was it like, oh man, he's going to be an artist when he grows up or did it kind of come later in life? Cause for me, I mean, I was like so young when it was pretty apparent that drawing was just something that I was just naturally loved to do. So was it the same for you or did it kind of gradually come on? Uh, definitely. I was always drawing. I was a kid in, you know, junior high that had to draw everyone's comic book here yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then from there transferred to skateboard graphics. Okay. So who are your, some of the early skateboard graphic, you know, artists and, and different boards that you dug? Cause I was, I never skated myself, but I mean, I've always been really fascinated by skate culture and skate graphics, Jim Phillips stuff. And, you know, a lot of that kind of early, um, very comic sort of, um, 
inspired art, but that translated in just such a world that could only exist on skate graphics. So, I mean, who are some of the ones for you that just kind of, you were like, man, I want to, I want to do that someday. Uh, definitely Jim Phillips and then VCJ from who did all the early Powell Peralta stuff. Mm -hmm. And then even all the H street graphics was this, some French artist. I don't know his name, but his stuff was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's a, to someone who doesn't skate and who's not immersed in that culture at all. I mean, I don't have any ties to skateboarding other than I have a huge amount of respect for, you know, all the art that goes into it and running so many of these companies that have been so successful by being truly independent and truly doing whatever they want on an artistic level and everything. And, um, it's just really fascinating to watch. So I can only imagine how much more impactful that is by someone who, you know, for someone who skateboarded, um, so has skateboarding been a thing for you for forever too? Cause I know you, I mean, your Instagram and everything, I mean, you're always talking about and posting skateboard stuff. And obviously it's a big part of kind of the culture you're in. Um, but you've been skateboarding your pretty much your whole life. Yeah. My entire life, like nothing has meant more to me than that in my life. Mm -hmm. Like it, it opened my art to open my eyes to art, you know, gave me a sense of belonging to something and being a, you know, being okay to be an outcast and an individual. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way? Did you feel like an outcast as a kid or were you kind of, cause I always, you know, a little bit of that, but as soon as people could, you know, see that I could draw, I felt like it helped to help me break <laughs> through a little bit, you know, like kids that were kind of dicks, like would suddenly be like, Oh man, he can draw cooler characters or cooler graffiti letters than I can. I should probably ask him, you know, be nice to that dude. And I kind of always use that as a little bit of an armor uh, for me, you know, being able to draw and stuff. Was that similar for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up, like I said, with hippie parents and vegetarian. So like I always felt a little different, you know, mm -hmm. like my parents were like, I didn't eat meat. So my food was always different growing up. And my parents were into like, you know, Grateful Dead and, you know, smoking weed and all that stuff where I went to everyone else's household and they had like, you know, sugar flake cereals and all that we never had. So I always felt a little <laughs> different. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I found skateboarding, it was like a bunch of people who felt different who all like it was awesome. It was like the first time I had a sense of community. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. I think that's, I think that's such a cool thing. It's always, it's always really interesting to find kind of where people, you know, what people found sort of some redemption in, in terms of who they were, even though they felt a little weird and then they kind of find this group of people who they can really identify with. And I feel like that happens so much now, you know, in 2014 here, that happens so much easier with the internet, but you know, in the eighties and in the nineties, you know, pre-internet, I mean, you really had to search that out. It's a lot harder to go find a group of people that you can, you know, relate to in that way. So that's great that you were able to ultimately do that. Yeah, it was rad. You know, it definitely, it's definitely different now. Like, you know, art and everything is more accessible and cool, cool stuff is easy to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You no, know, but who said, who knows what right or what's better? Like I'm feel fortunate to grow up the way I did, but you know, these kids have it pretty good now too. Yeah. All right. So you're a dad now yourself. I mean, yeah. And, uh, it's so fun to watch. Like, you know, it's whenever, uh, friends of mine or, you know, people I know and respect, like have a kid, like their Instagram and their, like, you know, all their social media stuff really takes a turn <laughs> for, and, uh, I, I love it. Like I love seeing the family stuff and the kind of candid moments and everything that, you know, people are willing to share. I think it's really fun. And, um, so I'm curious to know before we really get into more of the brand and the Benny gold stuff, that's kind of, you know, um, the bread and butter for what you're doing and staying on the family note for a minute. I mean, how much has your life changed since you had a daughter? How old is she now? And, uh, I mean, what's, uh, what's been the biggest thing you've kind of learned, uh, based on the upbringing you had now that you've got a kid and everything. I mean, 
Oh man, it's, it's awesome. My daughter just turned three. Um, it changed my life for the best. You know, it's awesome. It's, it's definitely harder to focus on work, but you it's weird. You have this weird drive that you want to do better and, you know, be more successful because you have a kid to support now. Mm hmm. But then you also want to work less because you want to hang out with them and enjoy it and not miss anything. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the biggest struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just kind of finding that balance for family time and, and being able to stay focused and work and everything too. But I think, you know, from what I've heard from other people who also have kids, it seems like at the end of the day, like all the added stresses or the added uh, time crunches that you get yourself into from, you know, obviously starting a family ultimately are, are worth it and, and become, um, so much more valuable to your kind of bigger picture of your life and your work and story of, you know, about what it is you're doing and everything. So it sounds like that's the same for you. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it helps you focus. Like it lets you cut out all that, all the crap that you really don't need in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, your family's important, work's important and my skateboarding's important and the rest is just like, I don't I, like I don't waste time by going out to bars and any of that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. Any, you know, like stuff that just was fun, but you know, in the end of the day, it's not as important as the things you love in life now. Yeah. That's awesome. And I feel like it probably really clarifies thing too. just sort of uh, it creates a hierarchy of, of importance and helps you maybe not fret so much about stuff. I mean, obviously you got to take care of your work, take care of your business, your art, creativity, and keep fresh on all that kind of stuff. But I mean, until I have a kid someday, eventually, you know, it's like, I feel like that it's not until then that stuff gets really put into perspective where it's like, all right, some of these little things that I kind of stress about, you know, day to day, maybe aren't as big of a deal now that I've got, you know, a, a son or a daughter into, <laughs> to feed and everything, you know, you worry about <laughs> larger picture. So, yeah, like I used to stay at work late and, you know, work all night, but now it's like at six, I'm, I close it down and go home and I find myself like goofing off less around the internet too. Like I don't mind the search. Like when I'm at work, I'm, I'm working now. Yeah. Not just sitting on like Tumblr scrolling endlessly for like two hours at a time. <laughs> yeah. So it makes you, makes you a little more productive, even though you have less time in life. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. I'm, I'm happy for you. And it's always fun to watch your, you know, see your, you know, just kind of work stuff, you know, juxtaposed right next to the you know, family stuff and everything. And it just seems like you're a, a really good model of efficiency, I suppose, for people who might want to uh, do similar types of things, you know, run a successful business and also have a family. It's certainly not impossible. You know, I feel like it probably feels that way for some people if they imagine it, but you're obviously doing, <laughs> doing something right. So <laughs> thanks, man. Anything's possible. Just putting the, putting the work and effort into it. Yeah, for sure. All right. So bringing you up to the the spot where you're eventually, you know, done with school, you finish at SCAD, you come out to San Francisco. Yeah. Um, was it, uh, did you come out to San Francisco initially, um, just to, to skate and explore and figure you'd find your way then, or did you come out for, uh, cause you started, you eventually were working at Huff. Um, so what, you know, what brought you there, uh, to San Francisco and then, you know, what was the relation to kind of where you got your start at Huff? Uh, Huff didn't come a lot around for a while after I got here. Like I moved out here for skateboarding and to obviously find a job. Like there was a lot of creative design agencies and firms out here. Mm -hmm. Now what year, a, what year was that that you went out to San Francisco? Uh, 98. Okay. Yeah. So I got to hear dot com boom and all that. And it was impossible to find an apartment, mm -hmm. but I got, you know, I did a quick stint within those design firms and agencies. I like got out here. I Instagram, I mean, uh, interned at Pentagram. Then I got a design job at a, at a firm doing branding, corporate branding stuff. And then, man, it was my twenties. And I realized that 
all my friends were out like getting laid and drinking beer and skateboarding and I was working these like serious design jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I was so bummed. I was like, this is not what they told you <laughs> what it was going to be like after college. Yeah. So you were working different stuff though. You were working like small shops, eventually up to like agencies and stuff. Exactly. And uh, man, those jobs are taxing, dude. It's like you work to one in the morning easily on client pitches and it's just, a, and everyone's like so focused on winning awards and doing this high type of design that, and it's for a 20 year old kid right out of college. It's so it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Just draining. Just not like, uh, you know, it doesn't give back much to you, you know, for what you probably put in and, and probably what you're feeling like getting. But I guess we all on some, it's relative for everybody. You know, I never worked in a spot like that, but I just had to put in my time in other ways, you know, really struggling working as a freelancer. You had to put your time in doing stuff at jobs that you weren't super psyched about. But, um, did you, do you feel like in hindsight, like you really learned stuff from those jobs or do you feel like you just are glad that you have something to sort of use as a, you know, something like a, a stick to measure your life now by something that you can kind of look back and compare to? Uh, a little, a little bit of both. I mean, I definitely learned so much from all the senior designers and everything that I was working around and they taught me stuff that you never learn in school. You know, you learn way more just doing stuff than actually being taught. Yeah. You know, but it also gave me a, a definite point of what I don't want my life to turn into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you see people doing stuff where you're like, man, I like this dude, but I don't want to be him. You know, when I grow up, like if it's working for him, that's great. But you know, if you see something you don't want to be, I think that can be such a, just a huge motivating factor for a lot of people to just kind of be like, that's not the direction I want my life to go. So I'm going to do everything I can to take those steps that sort of avoid, you know, reaching that point so I can get to what I, I really want. Um, what do you think your goal was ultimately when you got out there? Like once you kind of started the agency thing, did you ever picture yourself kind of like going, you know, into your fifties working as like a senior creative director at some agency, or did you kind of know like, all right, in the next few years, something, something's going to have, there's going to have to be a pretty major shift in my life. Well, my original goal when I moved out here was definitely to be like, a, you know, working these agencies and like cre- credible design firms. And when I got realized that goal, I was like, man, this is the wrong goal. Like, um, life should be way more fun in your twenties. Yeah. So that was kind of what pulled you into the next steps. Yeah. And then I, you know, I quit that job and took this like corporate design job and, and everyone at the design firm made fun of me. They're like, Oh, good, good way to throw your career away. Like, you know, get used to using the percentage sign a lot for sales signs and stuff. (laughs) And they all like joked at me and I just wanted more. I just wanted to free up my time to work on my personal projects. Mm Mm-hmm. So what were some of your personal projects at that time? I mean, so this is what, still like 98, 99, early 2000s. I mean, computers and Photoshop and Illustrator and everything, I mean, at that point are, are you know, not really staples of our everyday life, but they're still there really early stages. So how much of a computer versus hand-drawn? Because I know you do so much hand-drawn stuff, but I mean, what what were your like favorite tools artistically and creatively and what were kind of some of the personal projects you were doing at that time? Um really, you know, at that really early stage outside the, outside of the agency world. Yeah. I just started, I, I, I think I felt like I was too much in corporate world. So I started painting a lot. And then from those paintings, I started that this whole Benny gold project was mostly just stickers and a t-shirt I'd give to my friends. And I just wanted more time to focus on that. And it was all hand-drawn stuff. And uh, man, it was, 
I can't stress how much an important, like a personal project is helpful to people, especially if you feel stifled creatively while you're doing. Right. And so that's what really Benny Gold all started as, right? It was just this personal fun project that you didn't start with, you know, in mind, like I'm going to turn this into some big successful business someday that's going to be all over the place. And, you know, it's going to have people who really love it and all this stuff. It's just, you start it because it feels like it's the right thing to do pretty much, right? Yeah. I just wanted something to be creative without all the stifling stuff. Like the design job I took after the agencies were real, was really boring. Mm. I mean, they, the guys in the firm were right. And, but it freed up time. Like I got to party and hang out and, you know, get laid and do my own art. <laughs> Sounds like a, a much better time than, uh, doing the till one in the morning agency thing, <laughs> eventually switching over to all that. Um, so, okay. So like, what's the timeline from that into being at Huff and everything? What was, and, and I know, I know that played such a huge role in, in getting things started and giving you the opportunities to have distribution or have, um, kind of getting some of the know-how that you had, uh, in terms of, you know, running a brand and doing all that stuff. Yeah. But that was, uh, by that time, Huff, Huff opened the shop in SF around the corner from my house in 2002. And I was still working at the corporate world and then and I was freelancing as much as I can on the side and him and I went skating one day and my one of my best friends was working for Huff at the time and and Keith was talking about man I can't find a logo to save my life for this store I just opened and my homie Kyle goes hey my boy Benny does logos and Keith looked at me and goes you do logos and I said yeah I do logos and that's how that started. <laughs> I love that, man. It's just kind of like, hey, there's this dude, you know, it's not this big hunt on the internet or whatever, like now to find the perfect person. It was like, oh shit, like you do? You yeah, do it was, right, it was right awesome now. and really natural. And then from there, like, you know, he started, uh, you're breaking up. Oh, no, I'm, I'm good. You're, you're good. Keep going. Uh, okay. Uh, what was the question? Uh, we're, you're just kind of talking, uh, the Huff stuff and, and kind of how you got started doing the logos and everything. I don't know if you're getting some feedback on, on your end from, from me, but I, you were just, you were still talking. Oh, cool. Yeah. I got a little, little feedback. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I did the logo for Huff and he liked it and, and then he was like, Hey, let's do, let's keep this going. And I want to do some t-shirts for the store. So I designed a couple of t-shirts and, and he's like, all right, let's do some boards. And I did some boards and then Nike came to him and he's like, Hey, we want to give you guys a shoe for the store. So him and I worked closely and designed a couple of shoes that were, you know, pretty popular at the time. And then from there, man, I just realized that I had enough work to leave the, the design job I had. That's awesome. And so eventually when you started doing this Benny Gold stuff, like did, did it, I mean, did it truly start, would you say like it truly started with the, the stay gold stickers that you were putting up? I mean, was that really the, like kind of the conception of, of your thing or were there a lot of other kind of factors going in at the same time? Cause I have read in other interviews, you know, in your bio, even on Facebook and stuff talking about like it all started with a sticker. I mean, how literal was it that it really started with a sticker to, uh, you know, doing shirts and doing other stuff? I mean, was that really kind of what spurred everything else on? Yeah. I mean, that stay gold these jobs I was telling you about that was uninspiring. So the stay goal to me was like a reminder to, to stay inspired and not lose sight of the reasons why I got into art and design and skateboarding. And mm -hmm. I just put that sticker everywhere I can on my days off from work. And then it went from there. And then when I was started working with Keith at Huff a little more, he's like, what, what are you doing with these stickers and t-shirts you make? And I was like, I don't know, they're just fun projects. And he's like, we'll put a couple in the shop. And so I put a couple in the shop and they sold and, and he's like, well, make some more and I made some more and then 
a couple of like stores that we were connected with said, Hey, let's, I want to carry them in my store. And then that's how it all happened. That's great. That's so cool that he was as supportive because. Yeah, and then, and then by the. Oh, go, go ahead, man. I think we're having some, uh, some, some audio <laughs> issues. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. He was real supportive. It's just, you know, the, the t-shirts were just fun little jokes and side projects. And then when it came to like people really wanting them, I was, you know, I was like, I, t- I remember talking to Keith. I was like, all right, people want these things. And, you know, he's like, you should do a brand. I was like, all right. And I was like, what are we going to call this brand? He's like, you have to call your name. I was like, no, that's the worst name ever. <laughs> and so that's how the Benny Gold brand came about. That's awesome. Well, it's great. Yeah. It's just so, I just love the story that he was supportive and wasn't looking at it as you trying to run off and do your own thing, using him as like a springboard for it. It was like, no, this dude's doing something cool and I'm going to get behind it if he's, if this is what he seems passionate about. So it seems like you just had all the right, you know, types of people around you to, to push you to do what you really wanted to do. Yeah. Keith was nothing but supportive at that time. And by, and by that time too, like I was doing a lot of like skateboard graphics and t-shirts and shoe designs for other brands and my name were getting attached to. So it just kind of all just fell in place at the right moments. Mm-hmm. But it, it but it's all from like those relationships I built through skateboarding. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. So, okay. So the, the, one of the main things that you and I were talking about ahead of time of doing this interview was, um, the importance of personal projects and the importance of, you know, just doing stuff that is fun to you and stuff that you're passionate about. Um, simply because, you know, it's, it's those things that lead to the bigger, the bigger and better things in your life and I mean, people's lives. And, um, you know, it seems to me like obviously, you know, the brand Benny Gold itself is a is a perfect example of that. And then, you know, all the other little projects within it and all the collaborations and everything probably spur from just simply you wanting to uh, do something that seems fun, that seems interesting, that seems like something you want to see exist. And so you simply just make it happen. And then it's just kind of amazing to sit back and watch people, you know, sort of consume all that stuff and get excited about it. Um so, I mean, is that, was that kind of a revelation that you've had at one point, you know, where you're like, man, just like, keep doing your thing, keep doing what's exciting to you and, and people will love it. Or, I mean, it seems like a pretty important thing and it's kind of, you like the concept of sort of living spontaneously and letting the sort of unexpected things happen based off of the time that you put in to do these types of projects. Yeah. I think, I think the importance of those or the magic behind these personal projects is there, there's, they're not, there's no goals behind them. There's no ulterior motives. It's not like, I'm going to make this thing to make a living or, you know, be famous or stuff. It's just, you're putting stuff out because you generally want to put something out. Right. You know, it's like, there's nothing, it's not like I'm going to start a brand to like, you know, for any reasons to make millions or sell it or whatever I'm going to want to do with it. It's like you, these personal projects just because you're passionate, you're, you feel inspired by something. So you want to make it. It's right. like, it's like art. I mean, it is art, but it's on a commercial side of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's fun to watch because, you know, again, you do all this stuff and you don't know what people are going to, are going to say. And obviously I'm sure you've had your, your share of projects that didn't go as well as you would have hoped or thought they would. And then projects that like far exceeded your expectations. Um, would you say that there's any particular failures you've had like along the way of doing Benny Gold that you feel like contributed in a positive way uh, ultimately, like, you know, a certain, a certain like product or a certain, uh, you know, I don't know, anything at all, just a move that you made that you were excited about and it just fell flat a little bit and you learned something from it that you feel like, you know, if other people heard that, they might be able to, you know, take something from hearing about it. Yeah, definitely. The 
the biggest lesson I had is, is greed, man. It's like, uh, cause you, you get a little momentum and then you get greedy about it and you want it to like grow bigger. So I had this when I was really small, when I was still shipping out of my house and, you know, out of my small apartment in SF, I got this like huge order, like it was 20 grand, which is at that time for me was like the biggest order I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I heard rumors that this company was going out of business and, and I, and I told, chose to ignore him because I was like, ah, oh, I really wanted this. Like, this is, this is my chance. This is the chance to make this thing really happen. Mm-hmm. And so I was so greedy and hungry for this thing to grow bigger at that moment that I ignored all the warning signs. And, and I, so I, so I produced their product, shipped it to them. And then the company filed bankruptcy and I never seen my product back or the money. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at that moment that could have been the death of the death of the brand yeah. before, it, before it even started. Mm-hmm. But it gave me a, mo- but it, it made me realize that it's time for me to slow down and, and grow it organically and, and smart instead of like trying to force it into something it wasn't ready for yet. Yeah. And so you feel like the, there was a, a point, I mean, that's a pretty serious uh, lesson to learn. I mean, it's not just like, oh, we put out this one t-shirt graphic. Like you felt like there was a point where there was almost like a tipping point of the brand where you, you like almost made a pretty serious misstep and, and, uh, fortunately were able to kind of rein it in, I guess. Yeah. What happened, you know, like I think with a lot of people when they start brands and everything, they have these like goal ideas on how big their brand needs to be. Like, and so they force it and push it to be there before it's ready to be there. Mm-hmm. Like no one wants to start small. No one wants to be just a t-shirt brand or just start with stickers. Everyone wants like full cut and sew lines and fancy hats and whatever else, you know? And so you force these things, you, you produce them and you invest the money into it before you're ready to, before there's a demand for it. Yeah. I mean, so what's, what to you is like, uh, the picture of Benny Gold, uh, being success. I mean, do you feel like if, if for some reason it had to end today, would you feel like you accomplished, you know, enough or, I mean, at what point, you know, do you feel like, um, you would be at a, at a place where you're like, man, I've achieved like, you know, far beyond what I ever imagined I would achieve. Is there, do you have any particular, you know, specific things in mind that you'd love to see Benny Gold kind of hit? Um, that would really mean a lot to you to achieve that you haven't yet. Yeah, of course. I mean, I want this to be as, you know, big as successful as I can make it. Like, and I want to still like be able to put out quality design designs. Mm -hmm. I mean, but if it ended today, I'm happy. Like I feel, you know, I like everything we've ever put out. Like there hasn't been one design that we put out that I wasn't happy with. Yeah. You know, and that maybe to the depth to the detriment of it because we're a little slower to put stuff out because I painstakingly make sure every design is awesome instead of just like throw logos and everything out there. Right. And Not a bad yes. problem to have though. I mean, you know, it's consistently, uh, when I look at your brand compared to a lot of others that are kind of similar, maybe in the, in, you know, um, in that realm or just whatever. I mean, you can really tell the thought that really goes into creating cohesive pieces and the thought that goes into creating the designs and the, and the logos. And obviously like, uh, your project, which I want to talk to you about as well, the, like the glider series where you do like artist collaborations and, and all that stuff. I mean, this is very carefully thought out stuff. I mean, it's, it's clearly the work of somebody who is putting in time to do it right. And there's a reason I think, I think you can, uh, you know, um, ultimately know that by the staying power that you've had, you know, the fact that it's, it's hung around as long as it has, cause there's so many brands that come and go and, and pop up one day and then they're gone, like, you know, a month or a year or whatever later. And you've managed to really kind of, uh, create, 
uh, a more timeless approach and to the aesthetic of the brand and the pieces and the stuff that you do. Like in my opinion, when I looked at all the, all your work and all the pieces and stuff that you put out, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, stuff that's of the moment. It feels like stuff that, um, is going to last and it's going to age well. It's not like a t-shirt that's cool right now. And like next year it's going to be, you know, boring or whatever. Is that, is, I mean, that's probably pretty important to you, right? I mean, like creating yeah, t- timelessness as opposed to a trend uh, approach. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I appreciate you noticing that stuff because, I mean, I'm, as being an artist and a designer, like I want to put out quality design work. Like a lot of my friends with brands, they always talk about like, just get, just get stuff out there. Like it doesn't have to, everything doesn't have to be perfect, you know, because the stores want more, distributors want more, but I want to make sure everything is designed as mm-hmm. best as I possibly can at that moment in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's great. And I think, I think again, it just speaks to why you've had the success that you've had, you know, and, and just to be able to have someone that's kind of the brains of the whole thing also be the one who cares so much about it. I mean, you don't, you don't seem interested in taking shortcuts and everything to, to get to, you know, the places that you've gotten to so far. Um, so, so, uh, what, what year was it exactly again, uh, that Benny Gold really, I mean, when would you say it was established? <laughs> Man, that's so hard. Cause yeah. I always, this, on t-shirt graphics, there's always like that little spot where you want to put like a stat, you know, established in or whatever. Right. And I never know the date because I've kind of always made stuff, but I, I think it was, I think the first, like when I first put it in Huff's store, it was probably like 2005, 2006, but that was like one t-shirt every like you know, six months or so. So who knows like what, when a real brand started. Yeah. So it was kind of this amorphous thing where it just sort of always existed. It wasn't like you woke up one day in 2004 and we're like, all right, here we go. I'm starting this thing. Exactly. Um, but eventually you opened a sto- your, your, uh, your shop. It was 2010. Is that right? Yeah. 2010. And I was still taking on freelance design work, like logos and everything all the way up until last year. So, okay. So that you, so, uh, just until last year, you kind of has stopped doing, sort of the freelance thing where you're running Benny gold as your main thing, but also doing things on the side for other people. You're, are you done doing that altogether? Like barring like this super special project that pops up or something? Yeah. I mean, I'm not done, but for now I'm taking a break just to focus on the brand and really give it the attention it needs. Yeah. But you know, like remember when I told you about that $20,000 that I lost cause I sold to a company that went, went out of business. Right. The only way I recouped that money was taking on logo projects to keep the brand afloat. Okay. So that wasn't uh, something that discouraged you from keeping on. I'm sure it maybe did a little bit, but you were, you felt like uh, there was enough there for you to do where you could eventually sort of reinvigorate the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and I was lucky, fortunate enough to have a pretty successful, like freelance business of doing design. So like a couple, couple logo logo projects and I was my debt was out of there. That's all. That's great, man. Well, that's cool. There's so many, it's just funny to think about like all the, the wrong ways things could have gone, you know, or if you had squandered the money or not really like, you know, <laughs> invested back into the business from doing those side projects. I mean, you used your time so wisely. And I just think that's one of those things where, you know, like there's so many people who would not have made those correct decisions. And, and I'm sure you made, you know, some decisions along the way that maybe weren't like perfect or whatever, but I mean, it's, it's again, a testament to everything that you've done that you obviously like had such a huge thing distract you and that you spent time hustling so hard to do these other projects and logos and freelance work on the side to be able to inject back into your, you know, passion project, you know, what you needed to, um, so what were some of those logos that you did and, and what are um, some of your favorite kind of projects that you've done that have been outside of the realm of, of your own? 
Uh, some of my favorite logos are definitely like the Huff logo. The logo for MASH was a fun one. Uh, I did the Heist in the Body logo for the online hype site mm-hmm. of fashion blog. and The crown one, right? Like the, Yeah, the crown, yeah. the H crown, and then a bunch of bike stuff. And I mean, I've done stuff from streetwear stores and skate shops to, you know, I've I was a gun for hire for a long time. Mm-hmm. So do you have that stuff? Uh, I, I know at one point, I think you still do, but you have that stuff displayed like in a design portfolio thing. And uh, I mean, how often are you, are you getting people like, Hey man, like, you know, can you do my logo for me? Like <laughs> and how often do you actually respond and, and actually, you know, say, Hey, I think you should do your own or, you know, I mean, so what do you do now at this point when people look at you as someone who's, you know, a hired gun to, to do their, to do their stuff? Yeah, I still get hit up pretty regularly and, you know, but the more you say no, the less people stop at, stop asking. Right. Yeah. Cause but there's I, just not new stuff being put out by you in that regard. Yeah. But I mean, I still get asked all the time and, and I haven't taken, like, I'm just trying to, trying to focus on the brand right now. Yeah. But I, I do, I do miss it. Like I really like client work. Mm-hmm. Do you, but, so, so like you haven't uh, been like, man, I need to get like a portfolio up of like all my other work because you, what you're doing for yourself and with Benny Gold is taken off to the point where you don't even feel like a push to do that. Like you're kind of at this, this really like, great spot. I feel like a lot of people aim to achieve where they don't have to do client stuff because their client stuff basically is their stuff. Right. Yeah. You, you make yourself your own client, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm definitely not feeling like I need to get a portfolio up more feeling like, man, I got to finish this next season's of t-shirt graphics. <laughs> yeah. How far ahead of time are you working? Are you just always like one kind of one season ahead or are you like a year ahead or? Man, that's, that's the hardest struggle with a brand is, is scheduling and time frame. Like mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm always behind. So the only thing that hold, is holding the brand back now is myself. Yeah. How many, how many people do you have like working with you alongside of you? Like in, in terms of the creative side of things? Uh, I just hired my first full-time designer this year. So he's a couple months in and he's helped me out with graphics. And I have another guy who's a longtime friend who's been doing all our cut and sew and everything with us now. But so for years though, it was just you though. I mean, right. I mean, it wasn't like you were yeah. like, obviously the artist series is a separate thing, but like all the graphics and everything were just you. Um, I dug, yeah. a, I dug a little bit into a, another interview you did is actually with Hypebeast and uh, you had actually, I think I didn't, I didn't bother uh, figuring out why you responded to whoever it was you responded to, but you, you said something, someone asked you or commented or something um, about, you know, a balance of fashion and, and graphic design and everything. And, and uh, you basically said uh, that you're not a fashion designer, you're a graphic designer. Um, so, I mean, has, has it been kind of this simultaneous um, sort of educating yourself about fashion design and, and, and um, fits and all that kind of stuff and, and cut and sew pieces and, and all that other stuff that isn't just simply, you know, printing a logo onto a t-shirt? Just, I mean, like how much of your focus can be spent just doing what you're best at, which is the graphic design and how much energy do you feel gets taken, um, you know, constructing pieces or figuring out like the colors on the panel of a hat or something like that? Uh, yeah, all that other fashion stuff has been like definitely a learning process. But the beautiful thing about being a designer is that you could apply it to anything. Like, I, I think once you learn how to concept a project, you could concept anything from a logo to a T-shirt to even like a, a chair or how a house is, house is designed to look, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think the strongest thing is the, is the concept behind anything. Right. So and you- it's just all how you apply it. So do you, have you had any people that you've uh, been like, man, I really need to do, you know, this piece for this new season. I have no experience with that. 
Um, do you feel like you're surrounded at this point with enough people where like you have a question about something like, you know, who to, you know, who to call basically? Uh, a little bit here and there, you know, but the, what you see coming out of the Benigo brand is cause we, we figure out how to get it made, you know, like, you know, at first we only made t-shirts cause that's all we knew how to make. And then we figured out how to make hats. So we made hats and then we were like, Oh, we figured out how to make jeans. So we made some jeans, you know? So it's as we grow, like the brand grows too. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And it's great to hear that you got other people alongside you now because at this point you've established, you know, the brand and you've gotten a good thing going. So it feels like it's the right time that, you know, I feel like, again, what you said earlier about people wanting their brands to be so much bigger, maybe than they should be at the time. And people, you know, the, the sort of uh, importance and beauty of like starting slow and small and, and pacing yourself and everything, um, as opposed to you know, maybe bringing on another designer right away when you're too early, you know, or too young in the process of everything feels like, you know, you finally got to this point where you're like, all right, I need help and it's the right time to do it. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause this is the first time in my life that I've ever had help with this project. So it's, it feels good. Like we're making some strides and getting, doing our best to get ahead and on top of things. And it's exciting. Yeah. So I'm curious though, having someone work alongside you because like, you know, your name's on this brand and you're the one that does all this design and you're the one that's ultimately like, you know, the face of the brand and responsible for it and everything. And I've thought before, I mean, so I've been, I've been going and been able to do everything on my own now for 10 years, but there's been times where I've been like, man, I could use some help. And then, you know, (laughs) you finish the project and you're like, Oh, I actually don't need help today. So what would that person, if I had hired them be doing right now? You know? So I've, I've not got to the point where I felt like I need to bring someone on. I've brought people on, you know, sporadically here and there, but, um, I have felt before like, man, this is so like, you know, my thing, my baby, you know, if I brought another person on to sort of, uh, do sort of my style or what it is that I do, I might feel a little weird about that. Um, and I think eventually you'd have to get over it depending on the type of work you're doing, you know, but like, right. you have to look at it as an assistant as opposed to like, you know, someone trying to step on your toes. So like, do you have any issue with that? Like when you're hiring another designer to kind of come in and are they trying to do your style based on what you direct? Yeah, that's the, that's definitely the hardest thing being an artist. I think it, it, t- it took me a, l- a while to be okay with it. Like I had to, you have to remove your ego out of the project, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and, and ego is the thing that holds people back from everything in life. You know, like it gets in the way of so much stuff of growth. And like, once you take your, once you take your ego out of the project, it allows everything to really grow and be naturally awesome. Yeah. And you're obviously bringing someone in for the you know greater good of this project of Benny Gold of the brand for the long term and let you yeah. allow you to have more output and get stuff done on time. And so I guess that's kind of where like you're talking about with an ego coming into play. You know, I think like that would be my struggle would be like, all right, do I want someone else to get attention for doing something or do I want it to be like, you know, someone else created something that my name is actually on. And I guess in your specific case right now at this point, like it's right place, right time to bring someone else in and and you've been able to set that aside, it sounds like. So that's great. And I think uh, there's a lot that people could learn from hearing about that because, you know, again, like, you know, some brands just start off so big too, too early on and just kind of combust um, quickly as opposed to just like really just learning to be patient and, uh, take things, you know, as they come, you know, you're hustling, but you're also taking yeah, things as they come. Yeah. It's, it's definitely difficult though. Cause you, you know, cre- being a creator, there's ego involved in creating something, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, cause you you're connected to it. And, you know, <laughs> when you look at something that somebody else creates, you know, for the product, you look at it, you're like, man, I would like to have done that or, you know, or, that's awesome. I wish I did that. Or I, 
or I would have changed it or made it better, but, or worse or whatever, but it's, you know, you just got to look at it at, out, from an outside point of view. Mm-hmm. Cause totally. I, I don't want, I don't want to hold the, the project back by my own ego. Right. I don't want it to get in the way of its growth. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing. I wonder if that's something that gets uh, easier for people, like as they get older, like, is that something you can kind of let go of? And, you know, eventually you're like, Hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. That's not really important. Like what's important is that this thing be successful and whatever, you know, cause definitely when I was like 20 years old, I have, I could not imagine like anybody taking any slice of credit whatsoever for anything I would do. And, you know, now if you need some help, you need some help. And it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Exactly. But it's, it's, it's definitely difficult, but the guy, the guy, the teams I have now, they're awesome. And we all work closely. Like I sketch every day still and pass sketches off and we brainstorm together and it's so far it's been good. And this, not this season that's out, but the next season was, will be one of the first times we see that the, uh, their touch on it, on the brand. That's great. Well, it's cool. It's, it'll be exciting to see it sort of uh, expand, but still, st- <clears throat> still stay like in line with what it's been and everything. Uh, so, are you like, a, are you a, like the type that's always got a sketchbook on you at all times? Like the kind of obsessive, like bust out the sketchbook and draw when you're with friends and people and stuff. Or do you like have this sort of like morning time where you like, I need this alone time to draw and like meditate over it and everything. Or like, what's your approach with uh, keeping yourself fresh? Maybe it's related to the brand. Maybe it's just you want to draw. But like, what's your uh, um, habits with the, with that and keeping up with your your own drawing it is designated time i'm not the dude who always has a sketchbook and we all like, know that dude right <laughs> yeah like, we, all know, we all know that guy <laughs> <laughs> it's probably yeah it's probably the same guy who wears headphones when he goes skates with his friends and that only in his own world yeah just on the phone constantly or whatever yeah, yeah. um so uh do you do do you do stuff that doesn't ever make it into the brand and just draw to like for the hell of it or you do you feel like you're constantly thinking in like graphical sense and typography and like you know the glider plane and all that kind of stuff like does your brain ever like go away and just be like i just feel like drawing that like flower that's sitting there <laughs> no i pretty i right now like every all my sketching is always for a project now like i it's been a long time since I just created art for art's sake anymore, mm-hmm. which is not bad. It's like, you know, you have all these ideas in your head and it's just getting them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to ask you about your, uh, the collaborations that you've done to date and you've done all sorts of different collaborations, but what are a couple uh, particular ones, uh, maybe outside of, cause I want to ask you again, still separately about the glider series and all the artists that you've worked with there. Cause that's kind of its own whole separate thing, but like other collaborations that you've done, like we've worked with, um, Pendleton, uh, I think, was it that new blanket you did with them? Yeah, we just, I designed this, this, uh, native inspired print like two years ago and it was insanely like more popular than I thought it was going to be. And then, and so I was like, all right, then Pendleton saw it and they're like, all right, let's make it for real with our wool. And so that's how that whole collaboration came about. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> so I love it, man. Um, what are some of the other collaborations though that have uh, happened over the years that you felt like were just kind of a dream come true from like a, a brand perspective or even a personal perspective where it was like, Oh shit, like what a great project to have under our belt, like in the Benny gold portfolio, basically. Or some of the lot, really fun ones. A lot of the fun stuff was like, I mean, when I first started drawing, I was really inspired by Andy Jenkins because he had this comic book series, like a comic strip in the skateboard magazine. Mm-hmm. And then he was a, one of the first collaborators to ever work with the Benny Gold brand. And man, that was huge for me because I got to tell him how, you know, he's the reason I started drawing. And so working with, working with artists like that have meant the world to me. And then projects like designing shoes with Nike was huge and, you know, doing that logo for MASH was awesome because it was such a, 
a pivotal moment in the bike scene that we got to travel the world and tour the video and mm-hmm. that logo is just so well recognized and you know there's been there's been so much and even from the small stuff just working with friends like diamond supply co and designing t-shirts and stuff with them and as collaborations it's it's awesome yeah so uh you've also then started this glider series which is this artist collaboration you and i actually did one um you invited me to, to do one for a season and uh yeah. you've invited all sorts of other artists uh, who are some of the artists that you've worked with for that and uh what was kind of the what was the first one that you ever did and and kind of how do you how is that um you know project in and of itself um you know uh help the brand or like how fun has that been for you to be able to just pretty much reach out to like whatever artist, uh, that you dig at the moment and be like, Hey, like here's this really super blank template for you to do anything you want with. Oh, it's been awesome. The, the first one was with Mike giant and rebel eight. And there was actually their idea. Like they, Mike and the owner of rebel eight, Josh, took our, took the glider plane and just drew all over it. And you know, they bombed the glider plane and gave it back to me. And I was like, this is awesome. What other artists could I get to do this? And that's how the project started. Okay. That's cool. So it was like their idea. And then you're just like, I think I need to do more of these. It just lends so much to the, to the brand. It was awesome. It's just one of those things that you're like, wow, it looks so cool. I'd love to see what other artists I like and what they could do with it. And then I started asking people and it was, at first it was really hard to get people to do it because no one was like, the brand was so small. And then now it's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so who are some of the other artists? I know you've worked with like Cody Hudson and uh, Jeff Staple did one, correct? Yeah. Um, and Cody's yeah. and Jeff's are awesome. Uh, John Contino's was amazing that we just put out. Uh, Staples was rad. Um, Greg, Greg Mike out of Atlanta's was, was beautiful. There's been so many. And now the project has turned... Now the project has turned into a three-dimensional project. So I was like, all right, I'm going to take this project that was only T-shirts and actually create the plane and send it to artists to paint on and, and customize. Yeah, and that was awesome. I did, one, I did one of those as well, and I've seen a lot of the pictures that you've shared. And so you basically created like this legit little like wooden glider <laughs> plane that we all get like as kids, you know, like where do you get, where do you even get those things? Like at a carnival or something, or like you win one or buy one at like, you know, some small store or something, but they're so fun. And I think that's to me, one of the coolest things about your brand, there's such this like kind of youthful, uh, just sort of fun energy to it, but without ever veering into like corny or into like kid stuff, like it never goes junior, but it's youthful. It's like energetic and everything. And I think that's kind of like the embodiment, you know, of your brand is that youthful energy in the the glider plane and everything. And so you're doing, uh, I don't know if you want to like, you know, talk, like talk it up, promote it or whatever, but you're doing kind of this glider plane show, right. With all the different artists who actually drew on the planes themselves. Yeah. It's awesome. Like artists like yourself have been supportive of me and I'm so thankful for that. So, you know, like thanks for doing the t-shirt and doing the, the glider, the physical glider. It's awesome. And then, so I had the idea, I made these uh, 60 or 70 gliders and I sent them out to artists, only the only ones that I've known. So this is only like friends and family. Mm-hmm. So people like you that I've been in touch with and John who I've been in touch with and and I sent them all out and didn't know how many I was going to get back and I got back almost all of them. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's one of those things where I feel like you send them out and you're like, well, cross your fingers that like half the people like, you know, actually follow through, but um, I think a big thing is like, you know, if it's someone that everybody else respects, like they want to be a part of it. It's not just some throwaway show. Like they know you're going to do it right. So I'm not actually surprised at all. I'm sure you were like, just cause you probably wonder like, are people actually going to do this and send it back? But like, I mean, hearing, hearing that, you know, pretty much everyone sent it back is, is no surprise. What, when's that, uh, when's that show going to be? 
See that, that that's the issue right now. So many I got so many back, and now I'm trying to figure out how to correctly put you know show them in the store because <laughs> I have so many now. I only expected half back, and now I have you know seventy plus planes. I'm like, where do I even put all these things? Yeah, do you, are you going to like hang them up, or are they going to be kind of like uh, like suspended, or are they going to be mounted somehow? Or yeah, I'm actually I just got a sample on my desk yesterday of these base stands that I'm making that says like Benny Gold guest guest artist glider series and they're going to be and i made and i made a pole for them and they're with a like a roach clip and they're all going to hold the planes oh right on that sounds it's great gonna, yeah, they're going to be awesome we're doing t-shirts and posters and these uh little diy glider planes that you pop out and you can hand paint yourself for art for other artists that want to be involved so it's gonna be like a thing you actually like pop out of a bigger uh, like a kiss cut sticker type of thing like you pop it out of like a bigger sheet yeah it's like this big heavy heavyweight cardboard and you pop the plane out yourself and you fit it together and you paint it and then you hashtag it and send it back to us so we could see so we could see what everyone else creates oh man i love that so um, i'm using you guys as a as a jumping board like these are the artists that i respect and admire and i'll now want to see what what everyone else has yeah just totally open it up to whoever what's cool yeah. is that you've created this like pretty you know um recognizable silhouette with the glider plane shape and everything and so it's like no matter what people put on it it's still got the uh the composition and the framework basically of this glider plane silhouette and shape that you know you can do whatever on but it still remains you know very you and very you know on point to what it is that you know benny gold stuff looks like so that's also pretty cool people can only like screw it up so much <laughs> i guess <laughs> um all right man one of my last questions i want to ask you uh how how crazy has it been um I don't know what, like, well, this is one of those questions. It's like very crazy. I don't know what he's supposed to say, but there's always people who have gotten uh, tattoos of graphics that you've made. Um, stay gold with the little paper airplane flying through it. Um, I mean, that to me has to be one of those things that like almost takes you back for a minute and you're like, Whoa, like what, <laughs> like what have I created here? Right. I mean, uh, yeah, just that, to, to see people putting something on their body that you have designed and they didn't ask you, they just went off and did it. And they're like, Hey, check this out. Cause they want you to like be into it. How, I mean, how cool is that? It, it's amazing. Like I'm still blown away every time I see one and you know, this, the state, the word stay gold to me was just like the saying that we had as a being punk rock kids. That was, and then I adopted as a reminder to myself and now it's taken on its own. You know, I, I adopted it as a, as my last name and, you know, and it's awesome to see that it means something to other people more than just myself. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm glad you brought up music because that was one of these uh, other things I wanted to ask you about. Kind of, uh, I mean, so you mentioned, uh, you know, growing up and listening to a lot of the like Bay Area hip hop stuff, but then also mentioning like when you say punk rock kid, I mean, how how big was punk rock music to you growing up as opposed to like kind of the, the, the DIY punk rock sort of mentality and culture and everything? Um, because it's always fascinating to me to hear like how big of a role that music plays in any person's life, but especially creative people, like we're all so driven by the music that we listen to and it affects our daily lives and even our styles and outputs and stuff so much. So, I mean, what are some of the, uh, who are some of the bands or musicians or artists or albums or whatever that have kind of made a huge impact on you over the years? Oh man, punk, punk and everything was huge for me. Even like the whole hardcore scene was really like a pivotal moment in my life. And I mean, <clears throat> I got straight edge tattooed on my back from when I was a kid and it's huge, like Bad Brains, Black Flag, um, Beastie Boys, um, it goes on and on, Descendants, like all those things meant so much to me as a kid growing up, even to like Youth of Today, 
Gorilla Biscuits, mm-hmm. Shel- Shelter, Warzone, like those. Were you, all so those are, were you in San Francisco at a time when you were able to go see a lot of those bands, especially like in the late 90s and stuff when a lot of that stuff was like just about to burn out almost like the hardcore scene kind of went through this lull, you know, like <laughs> early 2000s especially. I feel like it's really coming around again right now, but a lot of those bands were kind of like on their way out at that time. Um, were you? Did you get to see a lot of those bands? Did you ever see Youth of Today or get to see um, any iteration of Black Flag or anything? Yeah, I got to see like Youth of Today and Shelter and all that stuff. They all came through Miami when I was a kid. And man, growing up in Key West was four hours away from from Miami. And I used to take the bus down every weekend to go skating <laughs> and see and see shows. Oh, that's that's awesome, man. It's like amazing what you'll go out of your way. Like four hours, it's like four hours. Like I can be back home by three in the morning if I, you know, can make <laughs> it to the show. Like who cares? Four hours, whatever. Like you do anything to to go do that. Yeah, it was awesome. And all the, all the local bands would see me and my my other friend down there and they'd always yell, oh, Key West is here again tonight. You know? <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I don't think this is probably my assumption, uh, but I, I wouldn't imagine too many of those bands came through Key West, right? <laughs> no, man, nobody, nobody came through Key West. That's a bit of a hike to get down there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I mean, I love Key West, but I... I just everything I was into was, was like punk and skating and it wasn't happening where I was growing up. Yeah, for sure. But it's I mean, it's a cool place to be able to go back to and, and whatever, but certainly it doesn't seem like a place for a kid or a teenager like who's into, you know, all that stuff. If you were like super into, you know, I don't, I don't know, like what do you have to be into as like a 16 year old to really embrace yeah. Key West? I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really have those cultures happening in it, right? Yeah. fish. You have to be into fishing and, you know. Yeah. trying to pick up, picking up tourist girls and, <laughs> and laying on the beach. Yeah. Which is, which is all fun and great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, so, uh, um, I just want to kind of leave it open to you here towards the end. It's always amazing to me how fast these, these interviews go. Like it's already been almost an hour, but, um, I would yeah. give, give you a chance to sort of talk about any projects that you have coming up or if you just want to plug anything, your Twitter, your Instagram or website or whatever, just kind of give you a, a chance to just kind of to shoot off uh, any of the things that you have going on that you want people to know about. Cool, man. I appreciate it. I mean, I appreciate, I'm even honored to be on the show and thankful and, you know, just, just keep up with what what we're doing and, you know, and thanks for all the support. It's everything. It's bennygold.com and bennygold on Instagram, bennygold on Twitter. And, you know, and everyone who's been there with me from the beginning to following what I'm doing now. And it's awesome. And I, the project's going to get better and better. Like the, we're just going to keep putting out the best design we can and, and hopefully you'll be, people will be around there to, to see it. Yeah, man. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a hell of an inspiration and uh, it's a hell of a thing to watch you grow and to watch your brand grow and to watch you post all this stuff. And like I said before, I think one of the things, uh, it was the same for me with John Contino, you know, like seeing him now being a father. And I mean, I'm not yet, but I mean, personally, it means a lot to me to see people like yourself and like John, um, you know, be so successful in their own way and on their own terms uh, and also maintain having a family. I I just think that like, you know, increases tenfold the way that I, I view somebody who can handle both those things and really do both things really well. And clearly, um, I just think that you're a, a super cool influence. I, I'm sure there's going to be people years from now who just in the way that you're talking about a guy like Jim Phillips or, you know, Keith from Huff, like being an inspiration to you, like there's certainly um, going to be people who are looking back at what you've done and saying the same things about, about you. Um, and, uh, you know, for me personally, I think that goes, especially being, you know, like I said, sharing stuff on Instagram, sharing all these things more publicly with family. I just think it goes such a long way to contribute to the kind of the bigger picture of who you are as a person and what you're doing with the brand. I just think it's amazing. I think it's great. And I just hope you keep doing your thing. And, and I know, uh, a lot of people are really excited to, to always watch what you have coming next. 
And, um, yeah, man, I appreciate you being on. I appreciate you being one of these kind of early guests. You know, you were one of my first people I had on the list. I was like, I got to get him on there for sure. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you on and I'm glad you did it. And I hope people have enjoyed uh, hearing, hearing you talk. Uh, thanks, Chuck. I appreciate yeah. it. And thanks again for being so supportive of everything we're doing too. Like oh man, this. absolutely. Oh, well, that's how, that's how this whole thing works, right? I mean, we're all see what we're, we're each, each person's doing and just try and support it and be excited about it. I mean, life's too short to be jealous or have an ego or let anything get in the, get in the way to me of, uh, simply just being supportive of, of cool shit. That's <laughs> like the bottom line. You know what I mean? Man, so, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, Hey, thanks again. Really appreciate it. And, um, people check out uh, bennygold.com or visit uh, at bennygold on Twitter and on Instagram and everywhere else. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks again. Really appreciate the time. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate you too, man. All right. See you. Later.